Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Inside Columbia Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Kowalski, joined by Kyle Matrician. Megan Rojas will join us later in the program. We miss Ro already. She's she, got a meeting. She's got a meeting. She's the life Couldn't of the party, of and uh, you know she's got a nine to five. And she does. You know she's got she a. Does she got to direct all the basketball operations? That's her her main job. So she'd probably be offended if we called it a nine to five, but she's yeah. got a nine. She's she's got a day job. Yeah. Outside of the podcast. Yeah, we don't work a nine to five either, but <laughs> no. just 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 the generic term mm-hmm. we got going on here. So we're back. Our guests today are going to be Joseph Smoyer from the men's team and Caitlin Davis on the women's side. Two, uh, two forward slash centers uh, on the Lions basketball program. So looking forward to having discussion with them. Kyle and I are going to start by breaking down last weekend's games against Penn and Princeton and look a little bit ahead to Dartmouth and Harvard, both teams playing the same, same two schools again this weekend. So Kyle, let's start with the women. Uh, solid effort on Friday night against Penn that comes up just a little bit short. And then the next night they run into the, the freight train that is Bella Allery. Yeah. You're not joking. Um, we'll start with Friday night against Penn. Uh, really, I mean, sitting courtside at that game, I would say in the four years that I've been here, that was probably the second most exciting game that I've sat at with our team outside of the four overtime, the four overtime game against Dartmouth, uh, Megan's first year, uh, just because it's hard to it's hard to uh, replicate four over the excitement of a four overtime game. But uh, just kind of give you a quick recap of that game. Anybody that may not have watched, uh, really competitive uh, first half. Penn actually took a ten point lead late in the half before the Lions cut it down to either seven or eight at halftime. Hugh, uh, the big run from Columbia came in the third quarter, and it was sparked by Abby Shue. Uh, sitting there... We've, we've talked about Abby before. Yeah. She's pretty good. <laughs> sitting there watching her essentially take over the game in the third quarter, was it was just really fun to watch. Uh, I think she scored 11 points in the third quarter. I, I wrote it down somewhere. Uh, she was 11 for 17 for the game, finished 6 of 9 from three-point range, scored a career-high 28 points. Um, she hit a, I know she hit a three at the beginning of the fourth quarter that made it a two-point game. She hit a ridiculous turnaround fadeaway mid-range shot midway through the fourth quarter to keep Columbia in the game, and it was just a shot for shot in the fourth quarter. I, I mean, so many ties, so many lead changes in the fourth quarter. Sienna Durr hit three consecutive three-point attempts within like a three-minute span uh, as both teams were just going back and forth. I'm sure if you talk to the coaching staff, uh, they would tell you that they didn't play their – but they don't think they played their best game. But Megan would also tell you that she understands that for somebody just watching a college basketball game, that that was an exciting game to watch. Yeah, no question. And an exciting game to be a part of. And then you kind of get a little bit of a battle of the two front runners for Rookie of the Year that we kind of previewed last weekend. It wound up being Aaliyah yeah. Parker that did the most damage yeah, for Penn. Yeah. She, I think, matched Abby with 28 points in the game. Kayla Padilla had 22, but... You know, I, I guess I have a little bit of a bias here, but also reading uh, several other articles by Ivy Hoops Online, by Mel Greenberg after the game, uh, a lot of people would tell you that Abby kind of came out ahead in the rookie versus rookie battle, but Penn did. But Penn did win the game. Yeah, and I'm sure we would we would like that reversed either way. So yeah, 
That's especially true. you know in the race for top four and Ivy Madness. Um, yeah, would have been nice to get that one. I yeah. think in the race for the time. I mean, especially a game against Penn. I know Penn doesn't. You know, Penn and Princeton have won the Ivy League title. One of those two teams uh, each of the last ten years, I believe. And so it would have been nice to get that one on the road against Penn, especially when you have them on the ropes like that. But I think you have to be encur- be encouraged by the performance. And it wasn't just Abby from a freshman standpoint. Uh, Caitlin Davis had huge plays, huge moments in that game. Carly Rivera played a ton of minutes this weekend at the point guard position, and she scored a bunch of points. She scored most of Columbia's right. points in overtime, and she almost she hit almost that half-court yeah. shot if right. anybody had seen it. looked seen like it was it. online, and she tied the game late in regulation, she too. She did. Great. Well, a screen set by Caitlin Davis, a little pick and roll that Carly went right around the screen and just had a wide-open lane to the basket. Yeah. So... Uh, you got to be really encouraged, and I know, uh, you know, it seems like every year we we keep saying, you know, they got a young team, they got a young team, but I think this is one of the last years that you'll be able to say that because really the core of this team and the amount of players that play are all freshmen and sophomores. So, uh, like we talked about, it was a great game to watch from a, you know, from a viewer standpoint. Friday night in Philadelphia, um, Columbia, I'm sure wishes. That they could have got the win out of that, but then Saturday, it's just if you haven't seen Princeton play and you haven't seen Bella Allery play, I mean Bella Allery, I have she's, a she's lot of confidence a, saying she's going to be yeah. a top ten WNBA draft pick easily. And then she's she's probably going to be on an Olympic team it's down the line. She's you know she's got a game. I feel like it's a little bit similar to Elena Deladon of the Mystics. Um, I think they're two comparable players. Um, time will tell if Bella can can kind of fill those shoes a little bit, but I think they're definitely two similar styles. I see a lot of each other in those two games. So it's it, obviously um, it's difficult to stop her and, you know, th- yeah, it's a team game and everything, but if, if she's going to go off early like that, that's going to set a tone and you kind of found yourselves in an early hole and couldn't quite dig yourselves out. But Mike, why don't you talk about the men's side of things hosting Penn and Princeton this weekend and a little bit of a fluctuation in how those two games had to be scheduled. Yeah, uh, you know, we got the word around 11 o'clock that the games might be shifting because the weather in Cornell and um, in com- on, in the in the realm of competitive fairness, um, the Ivy League decided to move both of our games to Saturday, Sunday. So um, a little bit of a shuffle, but not a bad thing. We got everything covered. There was the gym, you know, was was – Full, pretty full both days. Um, I know we dealt with a lot of requests and exchanges and things like that within our ticket office, and we, we did the best we could with all of that. Um, but onto the games, um, I don't think it affected too, too much, um, other than the fact that Cornell did beat Princeton, giving them their first loss on Saturday, but that didn't help us much on Sunday. But overall, um, despite results, I, I think, you know, Coach Engel said it best is like, you know, you can't fault the effort. The effort level was there. Um, Columbia did a lot of good things this weekend. Uh, Mike Smith had a terrific weekend. Um, didn't shoot the ball great Saturday against Penn, but Sunday was just, I mean, every time Columbia needed a big shot, he, he gave it to you, got 30 points on, on Sunday. I certainly Princeton. made up for it. Yeah, um, and got other teammates involved and did some things on defense, had four steals. Uh, that's a season high for him. Um, but what's happening right now is they're, they're, the effort level has been really good, I'd say, the last – three to four games. Um, but there's just these little lapses, uh, in the pen game on Saturday, uh, tight ball game. And we turn the ball over twice and it leads to dunks. And that kind of derailed, uh, things a little bit and kind of put us behind the eight ball a little bit there. 
and then you have a tie game in the, towards the end of the first half, and uh, Jerome DeRogier uh, gets open for a few backdoor layups, and he goes on an 8-0 run of his own to end the half, and they that's that's essentially the difference. So if you can tighten up those, you know, get rid of those little lapses and lulls. Um, Columbia's also been going through these kind of mini to long scoring droughts, especially at the end of games. They need to kind of figure that out, uh, and that that will definitely get them over the hump. But this weekend, a really good opportunity to go on the road against Dartmouth and Harvard. Uh, Dartmouth's never an easy place to play. It's a long trip. Um, personally, happy to get that one out of the way on a Friday night and not yeah. have to go the extra two hours on a Saturday. And, you know, Dartmouth doesn't have a win in Ivy League play yet, but they've been competitive in most of their games. Um, they're falling by two points here and there. We gave Harvard two two tough games uh, to start Ivy League play. And, you know, Columbia and Harvard don't make any plans for 9 o'clock because these games have gone to overtime of late. And three overtimes in Cambridge last year in a thriller. Uh, Gabe Stefanini and Quentin Ablesh, you know, hit big shots um, to extend those games. Uh, they came up short, and then Harvard came to Levian to close out the season last year, went to overtime again, and Columbia lost – two two-point games. So Harvard has been a little bit up and down the last couple of weekends. Um, no Bryce Aiken, uh, no Seth Towns. Uh, both are injured, but should be a really, it should be a highly competitive weekend. All right. Well, I think that just about wraps up the recap portion of our podcast. And as we mentioned, we have two guests this week. We've got Joseph Smoyer on the men's side and Caitlin Davis on the women's side. And when we come back from break, our first guest will be Joseph Smoyer joining us in the studio right after this. All right, Mike, Roe, mm -hmm. women are home February 14th and 15th. Sure and if are. you don't have a Valentine, Rory will be <laughs> at the game handing out candy as you enter. Ooh. If you're looking for a last second Valentine. Love that. I think it's a great Valentine's Day gift. You should just go buy tickets and spend go buy spend tickets. some time at a basketball game on Get the Upper West Side. Candy. Watch some great basketball. I was looking Lions to win. book a reservation for Valentine's Day, but now I know I can just go to the game and ask Rory. I'm sure your wife would love to come to the game. I think she would, Mike. And now that you mention that, the first 100 fans in attendance will receive a free pink water bottle as part of Play for K Day, which is also February 14th. Play for K. <laughs> February 14th, come in pink. And if that song didn't get you pumped up for the weekend, it's also alumni weekend. All the women's basketball alumni will be back February 14th and 15th for the two games against Dartmouth and Harvard. And bring your kid to the game because there'll be a post-game autograph session on Saturday following the game against the Crimson. Get your tickets at GoColumbiaLions.com slash tickets, or you can call the box office at 888-LIONS-11. Play for K, February 14th, come in pink. All right, we're back with part two of this week's Inside Columbia Basketball podcast. And as I mentioned before we went to break, in studio we have Joseph Smoyer joining us from the men's basketball team. Joseph. Hi. Welcome in. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Joe, Joseph, uh, you're probably the tallest person we've had on the podcast so far. I'm sure you get that a lot. Um we, t we had Callan Spiller on the podcast a few weeks ago, and kind of a similar way that we want to start is just kind of talk about how you wound up from Pacific Northwest to New York City, uh, growing up in, in uh, Portland and spending your first couple of years uh, in the program at the University of Portland. 
Um, well, I guess, yeah, when I was coming out of high school, I really wanted to stay close to home. That was one of my things. And I also really uh, liked the program at University of Portland because um, I'd been going to the, their elite camp and I was like close to home and I for all like four years of high school. So I had a really good relationship with all those coaches that were there. Um, and they had a, co a big man uh, as a coach. So I, that was kind of a big deal for me because I wanted to be coached by someone that yeah. was a big man. Um, and then... He got fired my April of my senior year. Could have gone out of my right. We know weather. what you mean. Yeah. yeah. So it was just like, it was. Uh, I decided to stay with the program just because I wanted to give the new coach a chance, and I still wanted to go to University of Portland mm -hmm. and be in Portland and like represent Portland in a way. Um, and then after two years, I just wasn't really enjoying the fit. Um, so I decided to transfer, and uh, Ivy League options opened up, and I ended up over here. So that was. That was pretty cool. What was it about Columbia that kind of set it apart from other places you were visiting and looking at? Well, I visited Brown and Columbia in the same weekend. Those were my two final choices. Um, and I guess the guys at Columbia just really stood out as with their cohesion, and I really enjoyed being with them and just hanging out with them and playing with them. Um, and it was the week of Bacchanal, so that was pretty fun. Um, <laughs> Who was performing that year? Uh, I forget. I was yeah. not really paying attention to artists. <laughs> um, I was really kind of just like trying to take it all in and yeah. like meet everyone, and I was not really paying attention to who was on the stage. But um, <laughs> so last year when you were sitting out, I know Mike brought this up a little bit, but Callan Spiller from the women's team was sitting out at the mm -hmm. same time, and you guys are both from the Pacific Northwest. I mean, clearly you didn't know each other before you got yeah. here. But did you like talk to her at all? Did you guys relate at all on any level? Yeah, I mean, having to sit out like. You know. Yeah, I met her during NSOP because we had to do that as a transfer too. So new student orientation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so we, yeah, we we we're we're friends. We hung out a little bit at the beginning of last year, um, and it was cool to have someone from the uh, Pacific Northwest here um, that kind of knew what had gone through the transfer, um, especially as a basketball player. So that was that was cool, and it was interesting to hear about what she had gone through and like process so what was it like what was the adjustment period like for you adapting to new york city and ivy league academics um i mean honestly not not it wasn't that big of an adjustment um because i had been doing engineering at portland which right. was a pretty big workload um i was computer science um i spent a lot of time getting like projects done and stuff and i've also always been good at school like i've like i've always liked to do do school so um i think i i guess the adjustment was being far far away from home um i call my mom a lot so <laughs> um it was just that was the biggest thing was just like uh being away from my family for the first time and like my brothers were still in, my youngest brother was a freshman in college last year but then my uh, or my middle brother and then my youngest brother was still in high school so i i was like i could have been hanging out with him but i wasn't so yeah um and then, yeah, I guess my uncle lives in New York, so in Brooklyn, so that made it easier for me to adjust to like being in New York, and especially when uh, the team wasn't here, I didn't really know what to do with myself. I would yeah. go hang out with him, watch the games with him, um, so that was really nice to have. For somebody that may be thinking about transferring schools and going through the process that you went through, now having gone through it and now on the other side of it, now that you're playing, mm -hmm. what is something like a, p a word of advice, if you could give a word of advice to somebody thinking about it that you 
just didn't think about it all when you were going through that process and now you wish you could have like told yourself or informed yourself of that uh i mean i guess the biggest thing with all my recruiting was just being patient um i think when i first was coming out of high school i was pretty set on university of portland and i didn't really let any other recruiting develop uh, after my junior year i kind of committed and was just committed to portland for basically my entire summer before my senior year and my senior year um and then transferring i think i i was patient and i was like i like knew things would come and that so i think but i guess i kind of, that's kind of something i learned from the first to the second time i don't really know if there's anything that i i mean it's always when you tra- like when you get recruited by anyone it's always like you don't really know what it's going to be like until you get there so there's always a little bit of like um just risk or something and reward like based on like you got to take a chance with some team and some uh, program and I've really enjoyed ending up here. So Was it harder than you thought it was going to be to have to sit out the whole year and practice every, you know, go through everything with the team but not be able to play? Yeah, I got frustrating because it just felt like I was always just doing the same thing over and over again. There wasn't anything to really, like, I was looking forward to the next year and it was hard to contextualize that and, like, keep that, like, just understand that I'm working to towards next year and, like, even though I can't play right now, it's just I had to remember that. Um, so. so then I got to ask you, first game this year that you got in at Lafayette, that was the season opener, yep. November 5th. I mean, how good did that feel to be out on the court again? That yeah, was pretty exciting. Um, I mean, it's always, it was a little, like, I was a little nervous because I hadn't played in so long. And, like, my sophomore year at Portland, I didn't play a lot. And so it was just, like, getting out on the court was just trying to get, like, just get in the rhythm and, like, just get the first game nervousness out and just I don't know I just went out and played hard like I was doing um just tried to impact the game talk about your role on the team and how much more comfortable you've gotten as the season's gone on and uh how you've been able to impact some games so far um well it's definitely been a work in progress I mean I think as the season has gone on I've definitely gotten more comfortable and then there's also been games where I've felt like it's like, I haven't played how I wanted to, but when I, like, I know when I get in and play well, I have a big impact, and that's the most exciting thing is when I get in and off the bench and I can impact the game and we can go on a run, and it feels like I'm part of that. And I think I've really been impacting the game defensively this year um, with my length because there's definitely not a lot of that, like, as much length as I, as I have in the Ivy League and other teams we've been playing. So um, that's the biggest thing that I've been trying to do is my role is just get in there and play really good defense and play hard and if I get the ball like when I'm on offense make good passes and run the run the offense and hope open up guys for shots so and we've been talking about this the last couple weeks too they might not have as much length as you have Mm -hmm. but there's definitely some really talented big men in the Ivy League and you've gone through a tough stretch of these big men what's it been like going up against them for the first time uh this first time through uh round robin play um I mean they're they're tough um like Broder is just super patient all the time, and it's right. just hard. It's tough to guard someone that knows where he's trying to get to and just gets to the spot every time. Um, but yeah, I think the the key to that, and like I think going forward in the next games, is just uh, tough being more physical and like making sure they get off their spot and just making it hard for them, um, which I think I can do. Which, but it is like you can't give them any angles. You can't right. let them get the ball easy. So it's really you have to be locked in the whole game and 
focused on your positioning and where you are on the court. So now I assume you pride yourself a little bit on shot blocking, mm-hmm. seeing as you're six foot eleven. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever? Are you clo- like how close are you to seven feet? Would you almost consider yourself seven I feet? Mean, or I'm six ten without shoes on. Okay. So <laughs> I just playing playing height is six eleven. Yeah. I mean, everyone adds an inch, so I feel like I don't add an inch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Makes everyone else look shorter. So. Um, I used to say six ten, and then never, and then I got to college, and then I was like taller than the six ten guy, so I was like, I guess I'm six eleven. So. Yeah, <laughs> um, you gotta add an inch because yeah. that's what you actually are yeah. when you're playing. Yeah, I mean that's what I have my shoes on. So twenty two sh- uh, block shots so far this season. I was just like quickly glancing through the Columbia mm-hmm. record book to see like what the top ten is for an individual season. I think tenth is thirty nine. Yeah, we're not known for having shot blocks <laughs> <this year, laughs> to say the least. <laughs> yeah, I mean I don't want to put that in your head at all. No. But uh, I mean. It's something that you pride yourself yeah. on, blocking shots. So can you talk a little bit about, like, the art of blocking a shot from your perspective? Like, wh- I know there's, just, like, different uh, variables and there's different scenarios as to how, you know, how to block a shot. But, like, what are you thinking about uh, in those situations? I think most of it is anticipation and timing um, because I'm not the most athletic guy. So even though I'm tall, I have to make sure that if someone out, some a lot of people can out jump me still, so. It's really about, for me, it's really about timing it up and keeping my hands straight up. And the most of the time, a lot of the time, I'll throw it in my hand if I'm like my hands are straight up. So, and then other times, I'm just like, I've had a few like chase down blocks this year on like guards if they get past me. And that's that's the most exciting blocks for me is when the guard thinks they have an edge on me and I can just run yeah. behind them and they go up and I block them off the backboard. So, <laughs> um, that those are the those are the most fun ones because those are like the uh, I guess the most like um exciting to see um you don't let any of the guards purposely get by you so that you can chase them down and block i mean no but but, (laughs) i mean sometimes it is like it's not like i'm purposely letting them get by but once they have an edge on me i know i'm timing it up to block them so i'm letting them go to the i'm not trying to like run back in front of them i'm letting them get yeah and you're not even trying to run side by side with them you're like it's better for me if they just get a little in front so i yeah yeah. get a clearer lane at blocking Mm -hmm. the shot and not fouling yeah so one more off the court question. We've discussed you're 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 tall. We know that. You get that a lot. I'm I'm sorry. But I find this fascinating when we go on our, our flying trips. Mm-hmm. The art of getting the exit row. Okay. Yeah. What is your strategy when you go up to the agent? Because I think people need to know this. And I don't know if you want to give away all your secrets, but what's the general method of to the madness there? Well, I'm as Jake Collingsworth says, I'm a man of very few words sometimes. <laughs> I mean, especially with people I don't know. So I usually, I'm not very good at like starting the conversation. So I usually just go up there and I look tall and I say, Just try to stand you have, on your And then toes. I say, Excuse me, do you have any extras available? And then they see me and they're like, Wow, this guy really needs an extra. <laughs> so um, uh, that's where, I mean, I usually just, and I try to go up early. So, like, yeah. we usually have a lot of time to kill. So, I, as soon as I see someone at the gate, I go and I uh, ask for the exit row. And, so, and, yeah. which, I'm going to put you on the spot here. If you're, one of your teammates gets an exit row, who's the most likely to give up their seat and who's the least likely to give up the seat? I don't know if anyone would give up the seat. <laughs> um, I mean, for me or just for? for yeah, for you. Uh, I mean, like if Mike Smith gets an exit row, he's got to give it up, right? I don't. No. Think, I don't think he's. Giving it up. I mean, I, that's why I have to beat everyone to it. Um, I mean, definitely. I don't think Ike or Randy is going to give well, it up. Well, yeah, to those me. are um, yeah, yeah, the bigger guys. But I mean, I think Luke or Luke might give it up. Yeah. Sometimes he's. I don't know. 
<laughs> that's hard to say though. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't want to ask them for it either. If they get it, then yeah. they get it. Man. <laughs> have you ever? I'll, been I'll st- deal with it. Have you ever been stuck in the middle seat in like a three seat row there? Um, not this year. Not this. Um, year. <laughs> I usually go for the aisles. So, I mean. I mean, have you ever just had no choice? Like, you get on a plane, and maybe you're not traveling with Columbia. Like, you're traveling separately, uh, and there's just only the middle seat. I mean, I don't know. If I was in a row, like, say Mike and I are in a row, yeah. and I'm in the aisle, and Mike's on the window, and then you come walking up, mm-hmm. <laughs> I would probably just move to the middle because I'm like, it would be more uncomfortable for me to have you sit yeah. in the middle than just sit in the middle myself. I mean, I think usually... The, if the flight attendant sees me in the middle, they kind of they do their best to get me an aisle or get me a seat that's empty. And uh, so I usually not. I mean, I've been on so many planes that I don't really remember. Like, <laughs> like it just being on a plane is very just like I get on and I'm reading my book. So I've I've been on so many plane rides in the last four years. It's just a kind of become a, a yeah. rhythm to me. What's so. the big man endorsement for an airline? If you had to plug an airline <laughs> right now to say they're the best when it comes uh, to helping out the the big and tall. Well, I because I'm from the Pacific Northwest, uh, Alaska is like my favorite airline. Um, but Alaska, and also one time I got a free upgrade to first class. So oh, um, shout out Alaska. to Alaska so, yeah. <laughs> And but yeah, there's definitely yeah. I think. I mean, I just like Alaska because I have brand loyalty to them. But um, <laughs> and they have good direct flights to Boston and New York, which is where I fly usually. Um, because I have family in Boston, so yeah. One last question. Obviously, big weekend on the road, going to Dartmouth and Harvard. Uh, what are some keys for you guys to come away with some victories here? I think the biggest thing for us right now is executing. Um, just making sure we everyone needs to be locked into the game plan. Um, and I'll like definitely the scout um is a big key because i think there's been a few times in the last games where we've had buckets we could have stopped if we had been known what the uh, if we had been more locked into the scout and then on offense just uh like making sure we're cutting hard and sharing the ball um but i think because we've been close the last few games and we definitely competed um it's just finishing the games and finding the way to finding those plays at the end of the games to win so great well, you got to get to class. I got to get out of here myself. So I think we're, we're going to wrap this up. All right. Thanks for taking some time today. All right. Thank you. Good luck this weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Joseph, really appreciate it. Nice meeting you. Nice to meet you too. Stick around for our next interview with Caitlin Davis from the women's basketball team. We'll be right back after these words. All right, Mike, Roe, mm-hmm. women are home February 14th and 15th. Sure and if are. you don't have a Valentine, Rory will be at the game. <laughs> Handing out candy as you enter Ooh. if you're looking for a last-second Valentine. Love that. I think it's a great Valentine's Day gift. You should just go buy tickets and spend go buy spend tickets. some time at a basketball game on Get the Upper West Side. Get some free candy. Watch some great basketball. I was looking Lions to book win. a reservation for Valentine's Day, but now I know I can just go to the game and ask Rory. I'm sure your wife would love to come to the game. I think she would, Mike. And now that you mention that, the first 100 fans in attendance will receive a free pink water bottle as part of Play for K Day, which is also February 14th. Play for K, February 14th, come in pink. And if that song didn't get you pumped up for the weekend, it's also alumni weekend. All the women's basketball alumni will be back February 14th and 15th for the two games against Dartmouth and Harvard. And bring your kid to the game because there'll be a post-game autograph session on Saturday following the game against the Crimson. 
Get your tickets at GoColumbiaLions.com slash tickets, or you can call the box office at 888-LIONS-11. Play for k February 14th, come in pink. All right, welcome back to the final part of this week's episode. I'm Kyle Matrician, and joining me back in studio now is Megan Rojas. Kyle. Welcome. I know we couldn't wait for you for the other parts. I know. I had a meeting. I'm sorry to the listeners. Um, Yeah, but I'm here now, and we're ready to talk to KD. Caitlin Davis in studio Studio. with us. Caitlin Davis, a first-year... We'll call her, I, th- I call you a post player. You're listed as a guard forward, but I'm going to call you a post player. Mm-hmm. Uh, from <laughs> Norwalk, Connecticut, Greenwich <laughs> Academy. Uh, KD, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate having you here. Thanks for having me. Um, first thing I want to talk about is a little bit of basketball. Uh, coming off a tough road weekend, I think that that weekend at Penn and Princeton is always the most difficult weekend at, le- at least in recent yeah. years uh, in the Ivy League schedule. But from your perspective, uh, facing the two teams that have won the league like each of the last 10 years, I mean, as a as a first-year player, not really going in knowing any of that or probably even caring about any of that, uh, what was your perspective on facing those two teams this weekend in the games? Um, I think I just thought about it like every other game. I think in the past they talked about being – either too hyped up or yeah uh yeah like that about certain games and I think it was kind of an advantage for me and the other freshmen to freshmen to not exactly have an idea what both teams were about we'll talk about Princeton first and then I'll go to the Penn game Mm -hmm. um I mean Bella Allery the two-time Ivy League player of the year I mean you played against her She's probably going to be like a top. I talk. Coach G says it's like a top ten WNBA draft pick. I mean, what are yeah. you? What is your take on like going one on one with her <laughs> in that game? Um, she was all right. I mean, she's clearly a good player, but I don't think that she can. Or yeah, I don't think she took over that game like she has took over games in the past. Yeah, and then the Friday night game against Penn. I mean. We didn't get the result we wanted in that game, mm-hmm. but I thought it was, like, from a viewer standpoint, a pretty exciting college basketball game. Uh, like, what was your take on the Penn game, uh, like a fight that you guys showed in the second half? I mean, you guys had another great fourth quarter. Rose says all the time. You guys love, love a great fourth, a fourth quarter. quarter. <laughs> <laughs> love. Yeah. Uh, you know, you go to overtime, y- you, you know, you get edged by two points, but uh, you've, you've played in three overtime games now this year. All three of them have yeah. come on the road. Mm-hmm. So, like, what do you guys learn from those overtime games? That we have to win in the fourth quarter. Like, overtime has not been our best area, and I think that we really have to put people away before that, before it gets to that point. We're over overtime. Yeah. We're done with them. Over it. Done. <laughs> Never doing it again. Just win it in the fourth. <laughs> Move on. Speaking of an overtime game, I do want to ask you about the first overtime game this year, which was the season opener, which was your collegiate debut. I mean, you came out with 23 points and 13 rebounds in that game. Uh, came out hot. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you had a couple nice moves in that game, too. I remember in the fourth quarter, you, like, stole the ball at midcourt and, like, dribbled it in. Yeah. Euro stepped around a girl and scored. Uh, what was it like for you, that game? Uh, do you remember anything? I know that was like probably seems like forever ago now. Yeah. But your collegiate debut, your first time, like, putting on a college uniform. Honestly, I think I blacked out. 
<laughs> not <laughs> what I thought you were going to say. I mean, that game was great. I remember going into it. I was like, all right, we'll see how the nerves shake out. And it seemed like everyone was fine. But it also was three months ago. So, yeah, I don't know what you remember from that overtime game, if you do at all. Um, all I remember was just, like, trying to play. Like, yeah. now that we actually know the plays and stuff and, like, have to, like, set stuff up, mm-hmm. really, it's, like, a little bit more of an adjustment. But right. because it was so early, I feel like I was just playing. Is there a game that you have that you played really well that you look back at? Like, all right, whatever I did that game, I'd like to bring that into this upcoming game. The I think the Yale game? Yeah. I think I played all right. I I mean, I just remember hustling a lot that game mm-hmm. and feeling like I was just flying around. I feel like that's what I should yeah, be I focused would say. on. I think more. you won edge player yeah. of the game, oh, yeah. that game. Yeah. Um, he had 16 points. I'm looking at it real quick. But you do like blocking other people's shots. Yes. That is fun. Is that your favorite part of playing? Like, is that something that you are, like, gets you going in, during the game, a block? Um, I don't think so because mostly when I block – people it's because i messed up mm. and so it's like more of a recovery yeah well we had joseph smoyer in here earlier and we were talking to him about block shots too because mm-hmm. he's like six foot eleven and oh, he yeah. said he said uh in terms of trying to block somebody's shot he said sometimes it's better when i'm chasing somebody down yeah. rather than trying to run like or catch back up to them and go side by side because he feels mm-hmm. like he has a more open lane especially when it's like a small garden oh, in front yeah. of him Absolutely. Yeah, like that block he had against Brown. Yeah. It's yeah, it's definitely easier chasing people down cuz one they don't expect you and two you don't have to worry about other people getting in the way when you're like trying to go Yeah, cuz that's the only person in front of you. Yeah. Now thinking back to our last week's podcast when I did the um <laughs> audio version of what I thought it sounded like when you were running. <laughs> But I was, like, talking about your block with Carly because she got the rebound. Mm-hmm. And I was saying it sounded like, <laughs> I don't know if I could do it again. I was like, <laughs> That's pretty good. And that was your you running back on defense really? to block it. Yeah. yeah. It was it great recovery. Yeah. It was great recovery because, you know, like you said, like you feel like when you block a shot that you made a mistake or whatever. Yeah. And it wasn't that you made a mistake. I think there was just a – it was a turnover. Or, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, I mean, the team made a mistake. There was a turnover, and then the ball got thrown over your head, but you mm-hmm. had a guard in front of you trying to score. And mm-hmm. She's just looking at the hoop, and yeah. you knew you were going to get there. Yeah. Did you know you were going to get there on that one? Did um, you know you were going to basically pin it against the backboard? No, but she. I'm not going to lie. She was pretty small, so I was like – Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't worried about having to go up and get it. Was it cool to like see NCAA women's basketball post that block on their social media accounts? Uh, yeah, it was cool. Did any of your family members or whoever, or friends from high school or whoever, reach out to you? Katie's used to being viral. <laughs> we've gone on, <laughs> we've been on a few things, Kyle. <laughs> um, what's the first video that we did when you got here? I don't even know. Was that the TikTok? Oh no, no, yeah, that t- was the cut video. Cut video. Yeah, okay. when. The first week that our three first years got on campus, oh, we made yeah. a viral sensation video. Yeah. And it was, if you haven't seen it, maybe we'll put the link in this bio, wherever this goes. But Abby and Carly were sitting in our conference room throwing pens into a Columbia Women's oh, Basketball I did see mug. This. I did see this. 
and they were sinking them and after every time it would clink in they'd be like yeah let's go like this let's go <laughs> and then the third one they throw it and it doesn't land in the cup and i zoom out and katie just drops it in because <laughs> she had been holding the pens above the mug as they were pretending like waiting pretending for them to, to fake make it yeah. and it got on like a bunch of social media sites yeah um, better have. that took forever it took <laughs> us i mean i've actually never laughed harder it took us <laughs> like a long time yeah it yeah. got to the point where every blooper i was like dying laughing like katie would we'd get to like the most perfect abby and carly or abby and carly would throw them in mm-hmm. and then katie one time dropped it in and it bounced, and out. It bounced out. <laughs> <laughs> everyone was so <laughs> mad at you <laughs> <laughs> Did we you drop it in from far away? I, yeah, because yeah, I couldn't uh, gotta, like, show it in the camera. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. when I dropped it, it, it bounced like right the angle that it was too perfect that yeah. the the pen just popped right out and everyone's like, "Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> we've been doing this now for a full, like an embarrassing long long time." It's funny. All right, I'm gonna get away from basketball a little bit. Um, a uh, kind of really cool thing that was announced today by the athletic department is that <coughs> the athletic department is going to host an inaugural Pride Night game uh, on March 6th, which is your last home weekend. I think it's the last weekend of the regular season. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the Pride Night game will be Friday night against Princeton. Uh, KD, your take on hosting a Pride Night game? Um, I think it's important for marginalized communities to have representation and also have recognition um and i think it also goes hands hand in hand with uh african-american history month black history month you know um another marginalized community that also it's not they're not mutually exclusive there's a lot of lgbtq plus uh african-americans and i think it's just important to highlight that yeah 100 percent um should be an exciting game. We're hoping to have like uh, quite a few fans in the crowd, like a really good atmosphere that hopefully we can replicate year after year. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the announcement today was pretty cool uh, for anybody listening. The first 500 fans in attendance at the 7 p.m. tip against Princeton will receive a free Pride Night T-shirt, Love which that. is pretty cool. Free shirts, so you'll want to make sure you the can logo's get your hands awesome. on them. I, you know, I think the logo looks pretty good as well. So we we're making shooting shirts. Yes, we chose to not do the proud, but just the the C with the rainbow. Yeah, I've and seen I've seen that here. logo as well. Um, but I really like the proud with the lion head as the O. Yeah, it's gotten a pretty good reaction, I think, on social media so far today. Yeah. Uh, I know a bunch of the teams have uh, gone in and shared the post, which is cool. Love it. Uh, so a lot of the a lot of the members of your team, of the women's basketball team, have gone in and shared the post. Engagement. We Engagement love. is good. Uh, you can see that post on GoColumbiaLions.com, on GoColumbiaLions, Go or the CU Lions WBB Twitter page, Instagram page. So we're really hoping for a great atmosphere at that game for – uh, a great cause, and we hope we have a great turnout at that game. And Katie, you brought this up, uh, Black History Month. Like you said, it's not mutually exclusive, uh, these two topics. Um, but we are in right in the middle of February, right in the middle of Black History Month. Uh, so if you don't mind me asking, uh, what, what does Black History Month mean to you? Um, as an African-American with a family who's also black, African-American, and like uh my uh well descendants of slaves and uh 
my family just just like other african-american families have had to go through a lot and i think it's important to have a month to reflect on not only uh the famous activists like rosa parks martin luther king malcolm x but also the people who are either currently around us or who were before us who also fought for for rights is there uh anybody uh speaking of black history month that's kind of been important to you like that you've wanted to follow in their footsteps whether it be a family member or somebody outside of your family that's just been an important role model to you um so i've met this man named dr tom uh tom allison and he was uh, a good friend of the king family and he was around he was a young child when this happened but he was around when um they were still marching and protesting and um he even received the king medal of honor and i think he just talking to him in person was he um was somebody who i looked look up to a lot and um it's just it was very interesting to hear in person like the first hand accounts of say like the 16th street baptist church bombing and um like knowing somebody who knew people in in that um attack dr tom ellison where did you uh where did you meet him um on a civil rights trip um down in i think alabama is where we met him but um it was my junior year of high school and my sister and I actually um, spoke with him uh, a little bit more than other people did just because of his um, background in medicine. And he also treated a few WNBA players. So hmm. he um, took quite a liking to us being basketball players ourselves. So, yeah. What other things did you like do on this trip? You know, you. Um, we, we, um, well, we spoke to a lot of um, activists who were around during the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also, so like one part that I really remember was the Selma, uh, we went to Selma and um, walked the bridge and uh, met people who were there during one of the attacks. Wow, yeah. not a lot of high schools I would say get to do no, that. No, definitely not mine. <laughs> yeah, no. that's what you get in Connecticut, you know? In Connecticut, <laughs> shout out Connecticut. <laughs> What was your your biggest takeaway from that trip? Was it meeting him or um I think meeting him was important, but yeah. I think the experience itself of I think walking over the bridge to Selma where mm-hmm. like they were like abusing people with fire hoses and stuff. Yeah. I think they even had um uh the dummy bullets they were shooting people with. And um just I think it was very striking to just be there. Katie, something I like to do on this podcast is get, especially with a first-year player, get some of our listeners to get to know you a little bit, you know, because mm-hmm. not everybody, you know, sees you guys in person or talks to you guys in person. Uh, so kind of just want to fire away some personality questions at you. Right. I feel like you're going to have some good answers for this. I don't know. I'm just excited. through this podcast, I just oh. feel like feel oh, like no. you're going to have some deep answers here. Oh, no. um, we'll all right. First question is, if you one word to describe yourself. Hungry. Hungry. So <laughs> I'm going to ask him, I'm going to follow up. Why? Why did you pick hungry? I'm hungry? And it has nothing to do with your, st- does it have anything to do with your stomach? Absolutely. <laughs> <Starving>. <laughs> For blocks, wings, food, 
Hungry. <laughs> what would you, if you could eat anything right now that you might not be able to get, like right way, right here? A gyro, 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 yeah. however you say it. Yeah. That. Interesting. From a cart? Yeah. Oh, do you get them from, from the anywhere. cart outside? Yeah, the 120 cart. on Broadway? They got Venmos. They I know. Do. <laughs> they do. Yeah, I was excited Venmo. as I've seen her get on this podcast right now. She was like, they got Venmo. Yeah, I don't know if you knew. <laughs> she moved so fast, she hit the mic. <laughs> I know it's. Uh, they I do. You, it's amazing. I also went to school in New York City, and I remember after not living and growing up in New York City, and I remember like discovering the street carts. Street carts. Yeah. During the year, and I was like, "This is the most amazing thing ever." And this is before Venmo. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but there wasn't Venmo, and so the guy would like take down your cell phone number and so, like so in the winter time you could just call ahead and he'd have it ready for you when you oh, got wow. out there oh, oh that's oh, nice was amazing wow amazing. you think i can message him on venmo right now you probably, probably. could you probably could just order something on venmo mm-hmm. pay for it and then say i'll be there in 10 yeah. be there in five that should be uh, uh, i trust that guy me too yeah me too which which the, there's two cards out there there's one on, if you walk down the stairs the one on the left or the one on the right on the right. On the right. That's okay, yeah. They the have one like on the left doesn't really have, like, hot food. Yeah, that's they're more true. like a bagel, uh, like coffee. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. That's Coachy's guy. Oh. Yeah. Bagels and coffee guy or the yeah. guy on the right? Bagels and coffee. <laughs> What's your pregame ritual? <laughs> My pre- I don't do anything. Nothing. You, there's know. nothing that you do. Some We might discover a pregame um, ritual if you talk through it. Yeah. Give us a, a home game play-by-play. Okay. Come down from pregame, you yeah. Okay. Oh, no, no. Start earlier. Earlier? Yeah. So, like... Wake up. You wake up. Go to pregame. So how many alarms? How many alarms do you set? Are you in a one alarm set? It depends what time I go to sleep. If okay. I go to sleep late, I'll set a bunch. Okay. Like how many? Like three. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's Fifteen normal. minutes. Pretty normal. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. Yeah. Really. Do you walk to the facility with your other roommates? Oh, sometimes. Okay. We sometimes if we're all up. Usually I have to come in earlier for rehab or Got it. something. Okay. I'll come in and shoot around. Pre-game meal. Go back downstairs, change. And I just sit in there pretty much until the game, <laughs> until I got to get ready for the game. <laughs> what are you doing in the locker room before the game? Is there before the game? I don't do anything. Are you I on like see, YouTube? Like, I've noticed. No. I'm, I might scroll through Instagram or something, but I've noticed when I like try and hype myself up or like listen to the music or whatever or try and like get in the zone or whatever i it like i get too focused and mm. like i start yeah and i lose like the bigger picture and like you feel like you kind of like you almost get yourself worked up about the game that way yeah so i try and like keep it casual that's kind of cool like i mean if you're sitting in there kind of doing like you're relaxing right you're trying not to like you're not thinking about the game yeah, you're just kind of like if i think about the game i just because i'm an overthinker and like when I start getting into that mode, I like get very indecisive, and so I just try and keep it casual and confident. let it come to you. That's yeah. good self awareness, though. Yeah, I mean, especially is that something that you kind of that you did in high school too? Like um, how you would, you know? Oh, I, yeah, I was an overthinker. No, I meant like when did you start like deciding? I'm just like this is kind of what I'm doing. Like I'm just kind of like clearing my mind, and I'm not even thinking about the game because I'll overthink it. Um, probably here in high school, I would like stay like locked in like in before i would be like i'd envision uh me playing or whatever mm-hmm. in high school but also my role in high school was much different <laughs> favorite snack anything with chocolate in it. type of chocolate uh dark 
Um, TV shows or movies? TV shows. Most recent TV show. Oh, this fashion. I forget what it's called. It's on Netflix. Is this fashion show. Mm. It's like a competition. Like who's the better design? Like who can be the best designer? Interesting. They have like, they have like challenge. (laughs) They have challenges like every um episode for like uh outfits they have to create. And then they have a fashion show at the end of each episode. So when you're scrolling on YouTube, what are you watching? Uh, literally anything. I'll okay. be watching. You know the um, videos of the people making. What is it called? They like build stuff. Oh. But it's like they don't have actual tools or whatever. Like they're building like houses and stuff in the woods. Okay. Or okay. I've seen a couple it's, of those. It's a little weird, but for some reason to me, it's very calming. I get that. Yeah. I definitely get that. It's like they're like making out of like mud. Like yeah. Mud. Yeah. That's what you're watching in the locker room. Thirty minutes for the game yeah, starts. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Do you favorite all time song? Um, all time oh, "Ballin'" by Roddy Rich. Okay. Well, uh, KD, we appreciate you coming on this week. Uh, one last thing before we go: this weekend is Alumni Weekend at Levian Gymnasium. Uh, we'll play Dartmouth Friday night at 7. We'll play Harvard Saturday night at 5. Two big Ivy League games, just as all Ivy League games are. Mm-hmm. Uh, Friday, also, play for K night. So I know we've been talking about, we got you know a lot going on in terms of the announcement of Pride Night on March 6th. Yeah. We, this is Black History Month. Mm-hmm. and then But this Friday, we don't want our fans to forget that it's play for K day at Levian Gymnasium when the Lions take on Dartmouth at 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, KD. Yes. Really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having me. Uh, get to class. Yes. Get we'll some do. food. All right. Thank you. As always, thank you to our listeners this week. As we mentioned, the Columbia women's basketball team is home for Alumni Weekend. The Lions will take on Dartmouth Friday night at 7 p.m. Friday is also our Play for K game. So make sure you wear pink as we raise awareness for breast cancer. Saturday, the Lions host Harvard at 5 p.m. Both games will air on air live on SNY and will also be available on ESPN+. The men's basketball team is on the road this weekend at Dartmouth and Harvard. Both games tip off at 7 p.m. The Inside Columbia Basketball Podcast is hosted by Mike Kowalski, Kyle Matrician, and Megan Rojas and is a production of the Columbia University Department of Intercollegiate Athletics. Special thank you to our guests this week, Joseph Smoyer from the men's team and Caitlin Davis from the women's team. For tickets to upcoming games, be sure to visit GoColumbiaLines.com slash tickets or call the box office at 888-LINES-11. As always, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week.